Today's lesson is about our relationship with the saints. For those of us who love the church, and I hope that includes all of us, this is an exciting lesson. We love Jesus because of what he's done for us, and he has given us one of the greatest blessings. Along with forgiveness of sins, he has blessed us with being a part of his body, and we are a part of his body together. The church is such a wonderful blessing to us, and we're grateful every day that we can come together and have our hearts and our spirits refreshed in Christ. We've been talking about relationships, and we know that a life without Christ is a lonesome, awful existence that ends even worse, in a worse state than even the terrible life that is offered here without Christ. But then in Christ, when we come and have a relationship with Christ, that is what marks our life. That is what determines who we are. That is what gives us our, our identity. Our identity with Christ. He is our everything and our all. Jesus has given us then a relationship with the church. I've entitled this lesson, Our Relationship with the Saints, Because Jesus took the relationship that we have with one another, with those who do his will, he elevated that even above our own families. And we've talked about our relationship. After talking about our relationship with Christ, we talked about our relationship with our children. We talked about our relationship with our parents. We've talked about those family relationships. We've talked about relationships between husband and wife. And now we move to the relationship that actually Jesus, as important as those other relationships are, Jesus himself elevates this relationship above all. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 48 through 50, when somebody had told him, your your mother and your brothers are standing outside to speak with you. But Jesus answered, the one who answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. So here is this wonderful disciples of Christ Those are the important ones to Jesus. He elevated them above his own relationship with his mother and with his brothers. That physical family was lowered below his spiritual family. So those, and we'll extend this thought to us and we'll prove it out later. It doesn't prove it actually in this verse, but those who do the will of God, that's our family. Those folks are our family. Those who listen to God and do what he says. Those who have built their house on the rock. That's our household. And that's our family. Those people are called saints. I I partly made this, uh, uh, two reasons for choosing the the title of our lesson is our relationship with the saints. Um, One reason is because this idea of doing the will of God That's what a saint is. We'll define it a little bit better. The other reason I chose this is because we're going to, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have some lessons on our relationship with the lost. So you have those who are saved. They're called saints. And we also live in a world with the lost. So we are going to discuss our relationship 
with the lost. But today we focus on our relationship with the saints. Those people who do the will of God, those people who follow Christ, those people are called saints. Anyone who does the will of God, anyone who has been sanctified in Christ Jesus, those are the saints. I define saints, and then we're going to look at a verse. I define saints, in some translations, actually have holy ones. That's another way you could translate this. Holy ones, sanctified ones. But the word sanctified and saint, that just means they're connected with the idea of holiness. We use the word holy all the time. We went through a couple of years ago and talked about, well, what does it mean to be holy? And the idea of holiness is that something has been set apart from what is ordinary or what is common to serve God's purpose. So if uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, if they had a table that they put into the temple, they would, it was set apart for God's service. It wasn't a common table anymore. It was a holy table. It was set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. If as people of God, we are set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. If you want to be holy, then you separate yourself from the world. That's the common, and you serve God's purpose in your life. You do God's will. So those who do the will of God, those people are family, and those people are called saints. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 2. Um, the word sanctified is in here. The word saint is in here. And those are both rooted in the same um, basic root word. You can kind of hear it in those words. And they are, they are similar words. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling. With all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you hear in this, in this one verse, the letter is written to the church. And he doesn't just call the church the church. He's, he starts um, layering on them some more, reminding them of who they are. And by the way, the church means the called out. It's a gathering, it's a meeting of people. You've been called out from the world and we are set apart for God. So the church, the called out to those who have been sanctified. You've been called out and you have been sanctified. You've been made holy. And then as it says, saints by calling. So if you've been sanctified, you are a saint. If you've been made holy, you are a saint. When you are immersed into Christ and that Holy Spirit comes in you and you begin doing the will of God and living according to His ways, you're a saint. That's who you are. So when we all become saints, we all become a part of the church. And this is the family that God says is even more important than our earthly families. So how does this family relate to each other? So this is the importance of our, the relationship, the importance of the church, the importance of the saints, us together. How, how do, what are some things that characterize what our relationship is 
You know, and here we've got a, a wonderful gathering together in the building. We've got some folks who are online that are a part of our gathering. You are part of the body of Christ. And we're going to consider a little later that, it, that the called out, it's even larger than just us in this place, which is a neat thing. But how do we relate to one another? And here are some, and this is part one of two. And I want to point out this is kind of, you look down through this, and as we go through this lesson today, it's kind of this wonderful ideal. This is what gets us excited about being a part of the church. And it's, it's like, this is great. This is the way it should be. And that's what we're focusing on today, the way things should be. This is the ideal church. So point number one, just a very simple point uh, from Galatians chapter 6, verse uh, 10. Galatians 6, verse 10. It says here, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are in the household of faith. So here is where we're called a household. A household of faith. Another translation says a family of believers, and that is the concept of a household. We are built together. We are like, a, like the building of a house coming together in parts and built together. That fits. But it's also uh, the term household just refers to a family and the people associated with that family. A household. We're a household of believers. The household of faith coming together. We are a family and what we're to do is to do good to one another. Hey, we're called to do good to everybody, but especially one another. In the church, we do good to one another because we are family. So how does our family relate to one another? A very broad uh, definition here is that we do good to one another. That's how we relate to one another. And as we go down through here, we're going to see some more specific things about how we are supposed to act and think towards one another. And so we go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. If you uh, read Acts chapter 2 and it doesn't kind of get you excited and thrilled and challenged, then I would tell you to go back and read it again and again and again maybe until you do so. This is one of the most exciting chapters in all of Scripture. This is when the first gospel sermon is preached with a great and wonderful power. The Holy Spirit is present there and ready to do its good work. And there are a lot of people who listen and realize that they need to fix their relationship with God. And they say, what shall we do? And Peter tells them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the holy spirit its promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off back in verses 37 38 39 so that church begins that day people are saved that day verse 41 says so then those who received his word by the way i'm just going to pause there for a second remember how we started this jesus said those who do the will of god those who do the will of God, that's my family. They are my mother and my brothers and sisters. So then those who received his word 
were baptized. Those who did it, they obeyed. They were baptized. They were doing the will of God. Continuing on. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls added to what? Well, I would say in terms of our uh, t- the title of a lesson, uh, they were added to the saints. They were added to the church. They were added to the kingdom of God. They were added to those who do the will of God. 3,000 souls. So here were the 3,000 souls added. And then it gets fun because we get to see how they relate to one another. Verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship... New American Standard doesn't have the word the in there, but it should be the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Beautiful picture. This is what they were doing. First, I want to note that they were studying together. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is an important thing. What we're doing right now as we, as we learn, we are hearing the word of God. We're devoted to God's word. This is the apostles' teaching. Jesus gave them his teaching, and then the Holy Spirit helped them in a wonderful and perfect way deliver this message to us. We're still devoted to this message. So part of what we do together is we study together. In Acts Chapter 17, verse 11 is one of the most, uh, another passage, I think, similar to Acts 2, where it's just a beautiful verse where, where it says, Now these, the people in Berea, Acts 17, 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. So Paul was there teaching, and uh, the people were studying the scriptures. It says daily to see if the the truth was being preached. Studying and searching. Not just trusting any person who comes along and says something, but learning from God's word, taking a responsibility for yourself, and then we all together looking at God's word, being devoted to this word and saying, I'm hearing this. Is that what you're hearing? Somebody says, wait a second, I was thinking something different. And we, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we work through this word together. We don't rely upon somewhere, somebody else in some other uh, city, some other nation to tell us what to believe. It's up to us. It's up to each generation. It's up to my children to grow up and not say, all right, dad said I have to believe this. It's up to them to search and find what they will believe. It's true of all of us. And we want to be that kind of people who search the scriptures daily. We search together on our own, and then we come together and we discuss that word to make sure that we are understanding and practicing what we ought. Because those who do the will of God, that's God's family. We take that call seriously. So we do good to one another. Just a very broad sense, we're good to each other, aren't we? And we study together. 
devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now back up to um, Acts chapter 2 again. Verse 42, after mentioning devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, I made the point to say, and to the fellowship. We think about fellowship, the word fellowship and tends to, in our day and age, I think, we think about going in the back and eating together and talking together. And we think of that as being fellowship. Um, and those are, that's an important part of fellowship. We're going to see that right from this text. But the fellowship is who we are. We are the fellowship. We are the partners together who have joined together according to the gospel. We have been united in Christ. We are fellows together. Just as a husband and wife come together in marriage and they become one, so the church of Christ comes together. We are as individuals, but together we make up the one body of Christ. That is the fellowship. The fellowship of the saints. We are together. It is a partnership. Um, and so as that fellowship, one of the things that we do is mentioned very next in the verse, we're devoted to the breaking of bread. We have honored that this morning. The breaking of bread is communion and prayer. We are devoted to prayer together. These are things that kind of mark our worship, how we are devoted to God and focus on Him. Whenever we... We come together as the church, this meeting of the saints, and we have separated ourselves from the world that's all around us. We come together, we focus on God, and do service to Him. That is our worship. Involved in worship is breaking of bread and prayer. Um, those are two very important things, and certainly uh, we would have other scriptures we could go to for our singing and for our giving. The things that we do when we're together are important. But look at Acts chapter 20, verse 7. And we do come back to Acts 2, so keep your fingers there. But flip to Acts chapter 20, verse 7. I added this verse in after, um, after speaking with uh, Brother Tilly the other, uh, just Friday. And I thought, this is an important verse. We need to look at this. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread... Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Now, I will say that I think you have to look at this verse and say, when it says breaking bread, is it possible they were just talking about a common meal? I think that's a possibility, and you have to consider it. But when you consider the context and all that is going on, I believe this verse says that the church came together on the first day of the week, which is the Lord's Day, as we see in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 or so. It's the Lord's Day. And on the Lord's Day, we come together to remember Christ Jesus. This is His day, and so we remember Him. The breaking of bread is the communion feast, just as we have practiced today, just as we practice each Sunday, just as it seemed the church in Troas was doing each Sunday, just as was very likely then, since it was assumed it was done in Troas, and Paul was waiting for this occasion on in Troas, it probably was the same occasion that was done in every place. Um, look at 
to go along with this thought about the importance of the communion, keep going to 1 Corinthians, excuse me, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, as we consider the importance of the communion feast. Because if we're partners, notice this idea of the fellowship is that we're partners together, we're sharing in something together. That's the idea of the fellowship. And there's no place that it's greater exhibited than in the Lord's Supper. We are sharing with Christ. We are having communion with Christ in the Lord's Supper. And if we are having that relationship with the Father and all of us are doing so, we also have a relationship with one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 and 17 Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? By the way, just to say that, that word sharing there is, the root of it is koinonia, which is, you go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when it says fellowship, it's koinonia. It's this idea of a sharing, a participation, and that's why I'm using those words. There is one word. So this is, we're sharing in the blood of Christ. We partake of the cup, we're eat, drinking that, we're sharing with Christ, we're communing with Christ. Is not the bread which we take, this is 1 Corinthians ten sixteen continuing, is not the bread which we break a sharing, a fellowship, a partnering, a participation in the body of Christ. We're showing this how we are one with Christ. Jesus says, remember me in this. And when we remember him in this, we are joining together with him. It is a fellowship with him. Verse 17, since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So here we're taking these things, it's just that we're, it's, it's one. This is Lord's Supper, it's one. There's one bread, one cup here, and we're all partaking in it. That makes us one. We're a part of the fellowship. Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another. So when we come around this table, if you got a beef with your brother or your sister in Christ, it's kind of hard for you to partake of the Lord's Supper because if you're not in the right relationship with your brother or sister, you can't be in the right relationship with God. It all works together. And that's the point of the next, uh, number four, we share life together as one body. So that's what was established in communion. It's seen in communion. We do communion together, and it shows that we are one body together. So how does our family relate together, our one family? We do good to one another. We study together. We break bread together and pray together, and we share life together as one family. So in Acts chapter 2, we're going to continue on. Verse 43 it says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. This church is a good example of those who are willing to help those who are in need. 
great example of that. Some very wonderful givers in the body of Christ here. Verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Now notice in that, I think it's significant in verse 46, that it says they were breaking bread from house to house. So they would meet in the temple, but they would also go house to house and break bread together. Possibly there, a reference to a communion feast in individual homes. And then separate from that, maybe meals together, as is pointed out. And then verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So when the church grows together, but we share life together as one body, we do eat together. And since we're in our modern church, we're so separated from one another and where we live, it makes it hard. So anytime we have those opportunities to be together and share life together, please take advantage of that. It's important. When we dismissed at times, make sure you are participating in fellowship um, in, well, let me, the participating in fellowship one another as exemplified by talking and communicating, sharing life together, being one with one another, sharing life together. It's an important concept. So moving on, number five. One of the things that we do together that was alluded here in verse 47 says, uh, so Acts 2.47, I'm going to carry over to the next point. Praising God and having favor with all the people. So we come together, we praise God. We're praising God constantly. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And that's, that's an exciting part of this passage, right? And that's the part where we're like, oh, Lord God, help us to do that. We want to be uh, blessed in such a way that God is adding to our number daily. And I think it's neat now that, that today I can't say that Lord God has been adding to our number daily, but the Lord God has been adding to our number monthly, and that's pretty exciting. I can look over on to my left, and I see three new brothers in Christ who in the last uh, three or four months given their lives to him. Um, Bruce just this past uh, just this past Friday, um, Nick was our first one connection through uh, uh, Iglesia de Cristo here. Um, Brother Ermas talked with uh, with Nick and and he was baptized. Jay came down to the church, immersed him here. Andre, I knew his mom. Um, wonderful, uh, Lynette said you got to get to get to my son and talk. He wants to talk to you. And so Brother Andre was, uh, was immersed earlier in the year before these other guys. And so we've got, month by month, the Lord God's adding to our number. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, we pray, Lord God, will keep that up, and we'll continue to do the work that we have to do to ensure that the Holy Spirit has his chance to reach more and more. So just praise God for his wonderful work. But it's our work to share that gospel and that's, we partly do that in our togetherness. We do that as one body. We work together. So go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians not real long. It's easy to miss. Don't skip past it. 
But in verses, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, the word participation is going to be in here. Guess what word that is? I haven't written that down for you, but koinonia. It's fellowship, it's partnership, it's communion. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Participation in the gospel. They were helping Paul spread the good news. Verse 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it or perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. So God does. He starts for any group that's willing. He starts this good work. We all have this opportunity to be like that first set of believers in Acts chapter 2. We read through there how they were devoted and just being... uh, day by day, added to their number. What a beautiful thing. We have an opportunity to continue to participate in that. God begins a good work in us, and he's going to perform it. He's going to carry it out. And so as we share life together, we are also working together to share the gospel. And there's one way, I think, in particular, that we can share this wonderful news. And that is shared in John Go back to John chapter 17. And it goes back to this idea of oneness and unity. Everything in here is one another, together, 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 working together, praying together, communing together. And so look at John 17, verses 20 and 21. Jesus was praying. He said, I don't don't ask on behalf of these alone. He was talking about his apostles. But for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus says, God, if the church, if the family, the household of faith down here will be one, Be united, be close to each other, just as I'm close to you and you're close to me and we're actually, close isn't even the right word, it's in. You're in me and I'm in you and we're all in one another. That participation, that fellowship together, if they will do that, there's going to be a result. The result is so that the world may believe. So if the body of Christ is not one... If we're divided, then the world won't believe. So we share the gospel when we are united. This describes our church family is that we are united. And we're united and we work hard for our unity because if we're not united, the world is not going to see Jesus. That's a high calling, a high price to pay if we fail. And so we don't fail, we work together, and we are knit together in love. John 17, verse 26 says, And I know, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Love is what brings us together. Love that we have learned from Jesus. 
Let us learn that kind of love. The language, and um, there are other passages where you can think of that Jesus commanded that we love one another in John 15. Look at Colossians 2, chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, talking about the saints, he says that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. There's our hearts. That's our family. Knit together in love. Just like the church in Acts, knit together in love. 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about how we should love one another. Um, 1 Peter 2.17 talks about the love of the brotherhood. That's how we should love, love the brotherhood. And then I want to look at 1 Peter 5.9. Just one final point. Since we're knit together in love, and that is for all believers everywhere, we're knit together with love. Verse 9 of chapter 5 says, But resist him, that's the roaring lion, the devil, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. There are brethren in this world. There's a family that is present throughout the world. And the message here was, hey, if you're going through troubles, you're having some sorrows, some tribulations, somebody's coming after you, the devil's coming after you, know that there are people everywhere who stand firm in the faith just like you. The God's church is everywhere. We help one another stand firm knowing that we have family throughout the world. There is uh, more family of God than just uh, 40 or 50 people here at Garrett Street. The family of God is bigger than just those believers who are in Cincinnati. The family of God is spread throughout the world. And as you travel, uh, it's always a wonderful joy to be able to go and visit with the saints. Wherever you are, there are believers everywhere. And that is a wonderful relationship that we have, is that even if we don't know one another, we are knit together in love and devoted to one another. So remember, we're a part of this family that does good to one another, that studies together, that breaks bread together. That's why we come together, to break bread, to remember Jesus. We pray together. We share life together as one body. We work together in spreading the gospel, and we fulfill the prayer of Jesus to be one. Knit together in love, standing firm in the faith, and knowing that the body of Christ, there are believers and family everywhere. It's a wonderful family. This is the ideal family. And I encourage anybody today, if you want to be a part of that family, you can be immersed in Christ. You can have your sins washed away, and you can be made holy and become one of the holy ones, one of the saints. If anybody wants to do that today, I encourage you today to come as we stand together and sing this song of encouragement.